I shared with you a few weeks ago that um, part of being a pastor is to think out front. You got to keep going and, and you can't think about just next week. You got to think about next week and next month and six months from now and a year from now. And so um, I share with you, this is kind of private information, that I had already started on a series of messages that I wanted to follow up with from our previous series. And God just stopped me. That happens from time to time. And on the left corner of my desk, that stuff still piled up right there. If you if you've ever been in my office, there's a little bit of a piling system in there on my desk. I believe in books. I like books. I don't use the internet very much for any kind of research. And so it kind of gets stacked up. I kind of got disappointed and, and cleaned it all up. It looks so clean right now. It'll, that'll stop tomorrow, but I'll pile some more books on it. But I felt like God, you know, you can kind of gauge. One of the things you do as a pastor is you kind of gauge the questions that you get. Because most people that call me on the phone are not to tell me, hey, you want to go to the ball game or let's go to the movies or let's go get something to eat. They usually call me as I spend hours on the phone sometimes in my backyard talking to people about the, the horrible things they're experiencing or what they're going through or what it may be. And so a lot of the unsolicited comments that I get many times are questions about theological issues. I even had my own father-in-law call me this week questioning something and worrying about something that was going on in his life about something to do with the future. And so I, I went to this passage of Scripture, reread it again, and felt, you know, what I want to really do is just pick it apart. It's important for you to know this, that Matthew chapter 24, there's so much more information in the Bible about these end-time events. And I'll probably, I just got a sneaky suspicion when we get through this particular passage of Scripture, I'll probably pull some of those out and connect some pieces for you. But what I'm doing is walking verse by verse through a passage of Scripture. I'll bring a few things into this, but I want to be faithful to the text. That's really important to do that. And so the exegetical work of doing that is really, really important. And so it's normally what I do like on a Wednesday night. If you've never been to church on a Wednesday night to my Bible study, we pick the Bible apart, verse by verse, word by word. And uh, we're going to do a little bit of that again for the next couple of months in this passage. More than you asked for, but that's how we got here. I really believe with all of my heart there are more people asking questions today about what in the world is going on in the world than ever before. I've only been alive for 60 years, but I have never seen the Bible coming alive quite like it is right now. And lots of people are asking questions. It's interesting that God would lead me to this months before all that's going on in Israel is taking place right now. I think that had to have been the Holy Spirit helping us with that. And so we're walking through this together. And just to remind you a little bit about what we've been dealing with is that Jesus is walking out of the temple. His disciples are right by his side. They're like, look at this amazing temple. It's probably the greatest thing that's on the earth to look at. It's a, this monument that is in front of them. And Jesus says, don't you realize one day not one stone will be left upon another stone. And they're like, oh, wait a minute. Jesus, when will that be? When will these end times happen? And when will the end of the age come? And Jesus sets out and answers their question. That's all we're doing right now is walking through Jesus' answer to that question. The first thing we talked about a couple of weeks ago was birth pangs. You remember that? If you've been around a woman who's pregnant, it starts off with a little bit of morning sickness and things like that. I've been through a few of those with my wife. And eventually, what happens is as you go further into that pregnancy, things happen with more frequency and more intensity, right? The pain gets a little bit more intense. It starts happening more often. And eventually, you know, when she says, you better take me to the hospital, it's time maybe for the baby to be born. He says, there are going to be some birth pangs. There are going to be some things that will occur in the world that will give you an indication. It's not just right now, but we're on the way, right? 
When your wife tells you for the very first time, I think I'm sick on my stomach, it may be then that you go get a pregnancy test and figure out, I think maybe she's pregnant, right? It goes from that point to there's more intensity, more frequency, and it's obvious what's going on. Jesus says, I can't tell you the day and the time. The Bible says only the Father knows that. But I can tell you this, when you see these things happening, excuse me, sit up and take note. What are those things? Well, we talked about them, wars, rumors of wars, famines, pestilence in the world. We know, I talked to you a few weeks ago about the the incredible famine issue that's going on in our world today that no one one writes about, no one talks about it. A third of the people on this planet are starving as we speak. You need to know that, a third of them. When my mom and dad told me, eat those peas because somebody on the side of the world would eat those, she wasn't kidding. Most people on this planet don't live the way that you live. Most people on this planet don't eat three times a day. Most people on this planet don't have running water in their house and those simple things in life. And if there's anybody on the planet, I'll be appreciative. Listen to me, Americans, I'll be the most appreciative people on planet Earth. It's a sin, honestly, to complain in America compared to what the world deals with. We see there's coming a day, the Bible says, when false prophets and prophecy will rise. We're seeing that there's going to be a day when there's going to be a falling away of faithfulness to the church. And I just, I won't go any further. I won't re-preach that sermon. But I think everybody in the room has to be honest and say, are we living in that day? And the answer is absolutely yes. We are living in that day. Could Jesus come back soon? Absolutely yes, he could come back soon. What's the most important thing I can say to you today is, you better get ready because Jesus may be coming soon. What's going to happen following that? Jesus says there's going to be a day when this, this supernatural guy is going to come to the throne. He's going to set up his kingdom there. He's going to desecrate the temple. And of all things, to try to wipe his feet on Jesus, he's going to set up his temp, a, a, a temple reign. He's going to say to the whole world, you must worship me as God. And he's going to desecrate the temple. The Bible says, we studied, that, that Jesus says to all the Jews that are there, flee run. Don't sit by. Don't go back to your house to collect your stuff. Don't go get your coat. Flee as quickly as you can and go to the mountains. Go to the outways. Go to the wilderness as quick as you can. I share with you from Scripture, both in Daniel and Zechariah and other places, where the Bible says that only a third of the Jews will escape. Two-thirds, we'll talk more about that in just a minute, two-thirds won't make it. Go and flee and get away as quickly as you can. The last place you want to be on planet Earth as a Jewish person or a person who claims they believe in Jesus Christ, and we'll talk more about that in just a minute, is in the Jerusalem area during that time. Flee. Get out of there. Go as fast as you possibly can. What's going to happen following that? Well, we know that according to Daniel chapter 12, verse 11, that's going to set up 1,290 days. How about that for accuracy? Three years, seven months, 1,290 days that will take place during that particular part of what's going on. There's going to be, as we know from that, a a seven-year tribulation time. It's going to be, as I'll read to you, listen to these words out of Matthew chapter 24, verse 21. He says, for then there will be a great tribulation such as has not occurred since the beginning of the world until now, nor ever will. Those are astonishing words. Because if I could sit and play on a screen for you all the horrible things that have taken place in human history to this point, I mean horrible stuff that maybe you've never even seen or heard, the things that we know that are done behind closed doors, not just beheading of Christians, but uh, the, the unbelievable death and the toll of all the crazy, weird, and evil things that have taken place. He says all of that combined, wrapped up, is not nearly as bad as it's going to be. 
I want you to think about that for just a minute. As bad as you've ever heard of it, combine it all together. He says, it's never been this bad and it never will be again. It's going to be a horrible, horrible time. And as I've said to you before, you don't want to be here during that time. We'll talk more about that in just a minute. And so that's what's going to take place during that time is this great tribulation time. Now, this is not what this text is about, and I'll come back and talk about that more, but I think it's important to introduce this topic, and we'll come back later in the weeks ahead and be a little more clear and certainly a little more accurate when we talk about it. There's three different thoughts about, by the way, what's going to happen in end-time prophecy when it comes to a thing called the rapture. I've preached about this before to you. The word rapture does not appear any, anywhere in the Bible, and there are a lot of people that, because of that, say there's not going to be a rapture, which is idiotic. Can I use that word? Because the word rapture does not appear anywhere in the Bible, but the event is described with unbelievable accuracy and precision. So you can make up your mind, maybe the American word, the English word doesn't appear there, but the event is described in Scripture. But there's three ideas about that, and I'm going to come back and share with you why I do not believe that's what our text today is. Why don't we just read that text real quickly? And in chapter 24, beginning in verse 29, these words, but immediately after the tribulation of those days, the sun will be darkened, <clears throat> excuse me, and the moon will not give its light, and the stars will fall from the sky, and the powers of the heavens will be shaken. And then the sign of the Son of Man will appear in the sky, and then all the scribes of the earth will mourn, and they will see the Son of Man coming on the clouds of the sky and the power of great glory. Look at what it says in verse 31, and he will send forth his angels with a great trumpet, and they will gather together his elect from the four winds from one end of the sky to the other. There are those that believe this is the, what we would call the rapture. I discount that and do not believe that. Let me help you understand three different predominant thoughts in the world. There's the pre-tribulation idea that there's going to be a rapture that will take place before this, this unbelievable seven-year tribulation will take place. If you want to know what I believe by faith and based upon my study of the Word, that is what I believe. I believe with all of my heart. Not, but I don't think things we're going to escape everything that's bad, but before it gets too bad, I do believe with all of my heart that Jesus is going to come. He's not going to physically touch this earth. The Bible says he's going to come in the sky, and he's going to call. Listen to me. It's an amazing story to think about this. And and I need, to, I, I need to be very careful here to say this, but I, I'm more and more convinced that, um, that Dan Evans knows what's going on. Dan Evans told me that we're all going to get there at the same time. Is that right, Dan? We're all going to get there. It says, the dead in Christ shall rise first. Then we are alive and remain shall be called together to meet the Lord in the air. I want you to think, think through that. I, I don't have time to preach that sermon right now. I believe in that, that thought. I think that's what the Bible teaches. There are others that believe in a mid-trib. There's somewhere, it's going to get so bad somewhere along the way that finally Jesus is going to come and rescue us. I, I don't know many people that believe that, but some people believe it. Then there's the post-trib idea, which says that after this tribulation time, then and only then will Jesus come receive his church himself. Those that would believe in a post-tribulation would have to believe that perhaps this particular passage is speaking of that time. I don't believe that. And not many people do believe that, but I wanted to make sure you understand that's what some people believe. And so I believe that there's two different returns. Jesus is going to come and he's going he's to be in the sky, what we call the rapture. He's going to call his church, those that are dead first, and those that are alive, he's going to call and he's going to rescue us from this place. 
There's a second return, which is the bodily return of Jesus, where he will physically come back and step on this earth and set up his kingdom. That's what I believe this passage is talking about. I can't stay here long, but I had to make sure you understand the moving parts of what we're talking about today. And so the title of this message, again, is When Jesus Returns. What's going to happen when that happens? Well, this is Jesus' words. He's telling us what's going to happen. Let's walk through this little outline I gave you this morning. The order of sequence. The order of sequence is the first thing he talks about. He says, but immediately after the tribulation of those days. I believe that's a direct reference again to verse 21 again that said, and there will be a great tribulation such as has not occurred since the beginning of the world until now, nor ever will. He says the order of sequence here is after this tribulation takes place, then Jesus is going to bodily return to this earth. Those days again of reference to that day when that happens. Now, a lot's going to happen during that time, and I'll give you just, again, I can't go into lots of detail here. We're going to go through a lot more. I want to stay true to the text. But to leave the text for a minute to share with you some of what else the Bible says will happen during this time. According to Zechariah chapter 13, verses 8 and 9, we're told, again, as I said a minute ago, that only one-third of the Jews will escape. Don't you think about that for a minute. Two-thirds of the Jews will be murdered and killed. Wow. The Bible says that 144,000 Jews, specifically Jews, will be saved to carry God's plan to evangelize the world. My mother came this morning totally unannounced. I love when you do that. And we sat in the cafe while she drank a cup of coffee this morning. We talked a little bit about that. I don't, I'm not sure you knew what I was preaching on today. We talked about how that's such a key thing. Because what we talked about was this. Jesus had 12 disciples. One of those was a rascal. He didn't work out too good, right? Maybe we insert Paul in that spot, right? Thank God for Paul that comes along and, and maybe can take that spot. So let's say that Jesus leaves 12. 12 disciples, a handful of those take from the day of Pentecost, and they take the Great Commission to all the world, right? You today need to know this. If you ever heard of Jesus, it's because there were 12 men, most of which took Jesus at his word, the ones that lived long enough to do that, because if you really want to do a study, go and study how the disciples' lives all ended. It's not a pretty sight. Amen. It's not a pretty sight at all. We can't get out of bed and make it to church on time because you know the time changed today, preacher. I'll be there next week, though. These guys were brutally murdered for their faith, and we can't get across town to get to church, right? Think about that for a minute. And so he leaves these. They tell somebody who told somebody who told somebody who told somebody who one day told you about Jesus. Jesus is going to save 144,000 Jews, and listen, they're going everywhere. They're not just going to hang out in Jerusalem. They're going to be all over the world. Imagine the impact they could have. As Mama was saying, you know, God is a gracious God, and in Christ Jesus, though the rapture's already taken place and he's taken his church out, he's going to give another chance for the people that are on this planet. And he's going to save 144,000 Jews to go not just evangelize the Jews, but evangelize anyone that will hear. There's certainly a prospect that millions, perhaps, people on this planet, millions, will be saved during this tribulation time. Think about that. It's not going to be an easy place to be a Christian. Yes, there's going to be things like the mark of the beast and other things that come along. We can't preach about all that right now. That They're going to sniff them out, and many will be brutally murdered for their faith. Yes. 
but he's going to give them another opportunity. Here's a really cool thing. I love God in this. Those 144,000, it says that the, the Antichrist is going to do everything in his power to kill them and murder them and do everything, and he's got zero success. Imagine that. I met a guy years ago that told me that he was at a used car lot one day. A guy had really done him bad on a deal on a car, and he literally said this. He said, Phil, I had my 22 pistol out, and I fired it three times at him from 10 feet, and I didn't hit him one time. This is an ex-military guy, and I said, well, God was just doing you a favor by taking those bullets around or whatever it may be. Listen to me. The Antichrist is going to try everything in his power to kill these guys. Nothing's going to work. How frustrated do you think, I'm, I'm, in Jesus' name, I'm looking forward, I'm, I'm from heaven, hopefully, to see how frustrated he will be. One last thing we see is this, that when Jesus comes again, he will bodily step on this earth, he will bodily set up his kingdom, and he will show once and for all, and we're going to talk more about that in just a minute, who he really is in this world. Number two, the ordeal in the sky. You can't go past this, and again, we're trying to stay close to the text but immediately after the tribulation of those days, it says the sun will be darkened and the moon will not give its light and the stars will fall from the sky and the powers of the heavens will be shaken. It makes common sense that Jesus would be the one that would do this, right? Because he's the one who spoke those things into existence. Let there be light. And there was light. Only Jesus could say, let there not be light. And there will not be light. Imagine what that's going to be like. We just went through a, a, a long study. It took us, what, if those were with me, I think 14 months to walk through verse by verse through the Gospel of John on Wednesday nights. We got there. We finished well. And I remember halfway through that, all these amazing miracles, starting with the, the first miracle that was performed at a wedding feast, as you know, the, the wedding at Cana, we know that that took place. And then increasingly more, those first miracles were kind of private, behind the scenes. Very few people saw it. And increasingly, it more, more and more public. And eventually, at the end, many things done in a spectacular way publicly. And I share with you that I don't believe that those types of miracles still take place today because Jesus was doing those things for a purpose. And the purpose was this. He wanted to leave absolutely no doubt, no doubt to any person who was there to the eyewitnesses of those things and those of us today who can read about those things, that he was indeed different, that he was indeed the son of the living God, the one that we would hope for and prayed for. He was truly the Messiah. How can we say that? There's lots of things, but one of the things we can say were the amazing things that he did. <laughs> oh, the Antichrist is telling everybody, worship me. And will he have some powers? Certainly he might have some powers. But Jesus comes and cuts the lights off. Just in case you wonder if I'm he, I'm him. Let there be light? Yeah, sure. Let there not be light. Okay. What an amazing thing. He's going to come and make sure they see the difference between him and the Antichrist, right? Amen. Number three, the observance of the Savior. Whew. Start getting emotional when I see this. And then, it says, the sign of the Son of Man will appear in the sky, and then all the scribes of the earth will mourn, and they will see the Son of Man coming on the clouds of the sky with power and great glory. Amen. Have you ever been to a concert? Maybe a performance of some kind? Tracy and I, years ago, I'd love to tell you some of the fun stories about the one time that we went to Manhattan and if I never go back the rest of my life, I'm good with that. I, I don't, I've been to California one time in my life. I'm good. Got it off the... I'm not interested in going back. I'm just not. 
But, you know, when you go to some big performance order, it may be, there's, there's maybe lighting like this in the room, but eventually as it gets close to showtime, what do they do? They darken all the lights. Maybe some music comes up in the background to make it emotional, whatever it may be. Maybe there's a big curtain that's going to drop or whatever, but when they want everybody to get in their seat and get prepared and get focused, they... They dim the lights. I've been to the Tivoli and Memorial Auditorium. Maybe flash the lights a few times, you know, to make sure. Get in your seat because something big <laughs> is fixing to happen. When this event takes place, Jesus is going to turn the lights off. <laughs> it's going to be big. Don't miss this. <laughs> the Son of Man will appear in the sky, and then all the tribes of the earth will mourn, and they will see the Son of Man coming on the clouds of the sky with power and great glory. Amen. Write two things down. Number one, it's going to be a triumphant observance. <laughs> I've seen some pretty cool things in my life. I've been to some really cool concerts and shows and things like that, but can you imagine this one? It's showtime. The lights go out. And here comes Jesus riding on the clouds. I mean, imagine that. There were days when earlier, even in my ministry in all these years, where you thought, how could something like this happen and the whole world know about it? And now we know that there are people watching this right now with some not really, really expensive equipment, and it's being sent all over this world. There are people on foreign continents that are watching this. There are people in Afghanistan and other places that have written us that we watched you on their phone or a little laptop computer somewhere else in the world. But imagine this, Jesus riding on the clouds. Imagine what it would be like for those that have been saved during this horrible, listen, the worst time has ever been on this earth. A time when being a Christian was basically a death sentence. And they look up and see Jesus riding on the clouds. Can you imagine what that's gonna be like? There'll never be anything like this ever again. Imagine being perhaps one of the 144,000 who've been faithfully witnessing and telling everybody about Jesus. And they look up and here comes Jesus Amen. riding on the clouds. Listen, I know what it's like to be homesick. I know what it's like to be away from my home for times. Me and my wife many times when we were away in ministry would come home and see our family just a couple of times a year because we had events at church or maybe she was pregnant and we couldn't go because we always had these real complex, difficult pregnancies, whatever, to see Jesus. Oh, what a homecoming that must be. And for many of those that suffered through this very difficult time because they did not come to Christ before, or maybe those that are born during this time, who knows, to see him riding on the clouds. Listen, it's going to be a triumphant time. Can you imagine the hallelujahs and the praise of the Lord's and whatever else will come from the mouth to see him coming in the clouds? But don't miss this. It'll be a terrifying occurrence as well. The Son of Man will appear in the sky. And listen, all the tribes of the earth will mourn. They'll mourn. 
I say to people often, can you please give me one really good reason you wouldn't want to give your life to Jesus? Oh, there's lots of reasons that people make up. And if you're looking for an excuse, any excuse will do. But think of the hardliners that have denied Christ and denied Christ and denied Christ. It's going to be like in the days of Noah. That fool is building that boat on dry ground. What in the world is he thinking? Folks, judgment day's coming. Get on the boat. Judgment day's coming. Get on the boat. And I think of the millions and millions and millions, perhaps even billions of people on this planet, even as we speak, who've had the privilege to hear the gospel but not respond to it. Maybe one day, I got to go sow my wild oats. One day I'll come to Jesus. One day I'll have time for that, but I got stuff to do right now. Who missed their opportunity to look up and see Jesus coming on the clouds. And no, it's too late. It's too late. The invitation is still open today. Praise God for that. But one day the invitation is not going to be open again. Wow. That must be a terrifying thing to not be in Christ. To say that's hogwash. Because you know they'll come up with every kind of reason to say, why are all these perhaps billions of people missing when the rapture takes place? We're talking, was it at breakfast on Friday? We're talking about, you know, they're talking about there's aliens and all these, you know, I think they're cooking that up right now so that when the rapture happens, they say it's those aliens. Or if Donald Trump is still alive, they'll blame it on him. Can I get an amen from the congregation? <laughs> man, I pray for that guy. Wow. Where do those people go? Couldn't have been Jesus. That Bible's hogwash. Well, here's your second opportunity to see Jesus riding on the clouds. So it was true. How terrifying. It must be to find out that Jesus is who he says he is, but it's too late. Millions and millions, billions perhaps people, and it's too late. You want to know what that looks like? The Bible actually gives us a window to see in Revelation chapter 6 and verse 16, we read these words. Man, this hurts. Men will cry for the mountains to fall down on them, to hide them from the presence of him who sits on the throne. To that one who is in Christ Jesus, we run to him. We rush to him. Jesus is coming. To those who don't know him, let the mountains fall down on me that I won't be in his presence. How terrifying that event will be. And folks, this is not fairy tale time. This is going to happen. Count on it. And it'll happen exactly the way Jesus says. One last thing and we're done for this morning. The owner's selection in verse 31, we read these words. And he will give forth his angels. Listen, he will send forth his angels with a great trumpet and they will gather together his elect from the four winds and from one end of the sky to the other. Years ago, I went to the Tennessee Baptist Convention. It was being held in Clarksville, Tennessee. And I, got, I drove all the way there in one day, and that's, you know, Tennessee's a pretty wide state, isn't it? It takes a minute to get all the way to Clarksville, and I got there, I drove real early in the morning, got there in time to go for the conference all day, and at the end of a long day, 
I just, I mean, like a little wet puppy trying to find a place. I had a hotel reservation. I went out to the hotel and found the hotel and I checked in. I just had gotten up to the room and laid my luggage down and the loudest alarm to this day I've ever heard in my life went off. It was a really strange alarm because it didn't sound like it was coming from inside the building. And so after a while, I mean, I just, I didn't know what was really going on. There's nothing over in any intercom system, whatever, the loudest thing you've ever heard in your life. And so I, I went back downstairs and went to the front desk and I said, sir, please help me understand. What is that alarm? He said, well, Mr. Griffin, where we live, it's so flat here. We have tornadoes here all the time. And so they've installed all over our county these loud alarms. And whenever a tornado's in the area, they sound off to give a warning to people to go and prepare for that. And I'm like, this is creepy, you know. I said, well, what are we supposed to do? He says, follow me. We're just going to wait a few minutes for some other people to get here. And they had a shelter they had built inside the hotel. And I suspect they probably require everyone in that area to do such a thing. A warning. Years ago, Tracy and I took our children before they really should have gone to Williamsburg, Virginia. It's a really cool place to go, but they were so young, they're like, what's all this stuff, you know? And we're walking the old part of the town, which is really cool. If you can ever go there, it's a great place. But anyway, all of a sudden, I heard these drums beating. Boom, 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 boom. And they got louder, and they got louder, and they got louder. And all of a sudden, I see these guys walking down in this middle of this road, beating on these drums really loud. And this guy had the biggest megaphone I've ever seen in my life. Citizens, he starts yelling and whatever, making an announcement. And they're really showing how in those days and times, before they even had electricity, how they got messages out. It was like, here comes the newspaper, right? And the guy would just give a report of what's going on. It's really authentic and it's really cool. An alarm. The Bible talks about a thing called a trumpet. Did you see that? And he will send forth his angels with a great trumpet. <laughs> I did a little bit of research on that. In these days in Israel, the trumpet was used for a lot of different things. If there was ever a, an announcement, perhaps it needed to be made in a place, they might use something like that. And it wasn't the trumpet like you play in the jazz band. We get that. It was a horn of some type. But to gather people, hey, something's going on. You need to hear this, right? We've declared war with a neighbor, maybe perhaps get everybody together, let them know what's going on. That could be used for all sorts of reasons to gather people together. But one of the things I was interested to find out was <laughs> when the king was returning from battle, they blew the horn. The king has returned. The king has returned. Everybody come out. The king has returned. There's coming a day in all the universe that a trumpet will sound and Jesus will come riding on the clouds to show this world that he is indeed the king of kings and he is indeed the Lord of all lords. Amen. What an amazing thing that's going to be when Jesus comes. But how terrifying it'll be for those that are not prepared and so, Phil, how do you end a sermon about something that hasn't happened just yet? Well, you end it this way. Are you ready? 
You see, we could have theological debate all day, and we could stay all day if you want to, to talk about, well, when do you think it's really going to happen? And I, I heard this, and I read this in some book, and somebody told me this, or I blinked my eyes three times and thought this. Whatever. We could have that. doesn't matter. The only thing that matters on the moment that that takes place is this, are you ready? And here's the great news. The great good news is this. If you can hear my voice right now, you can be ready. It's not because of how good you are. Listen, it's because of how good he is. Amen. It's because of his grace and his mercy, not your good deeds and your good works. For by grace you've been saved through faith, and that not of yourself. It's the gift of God, not of works lest any man should boast. We are his workmanship, surely, indeed, to do good works which he preordained for us to do, but we do not work to be saved. We work because we have been saved. In a verse, if you don't know it yet, you should. 1 John 5, 13, these things I've written to you. Believe on the name of the Son of God that you may know you have eternal life. If you don't have anything else in this universe, you can have this. I can know that I know that I know that I'm in Christ Jesus. And if you're in Christ Jesus, it really does not matter how this all works out. Paul says for me to live is Christ, but to die, oh, that's just gain. <laughs> and so this world... I've told you this before, but this world and all the chaos and the mess that it is, if you are outside of Christ this morning, you need to hear this. This is the best it will ever be for you. But if you're in Christ, <laughs> this is the worst it's ever going to be for you. Amen. Come to Christ. Stop playing games with your faith. Stop mailing it in and giving God the leftovers of your life. And don't do that out of a motivation to just do the right thing. Do it because Jesus saved your soul. He loves you. He walks with you. He prays for you. He cares for you. Why would we not want to give everything we have to the one who gave his very son for us? My friends, he's coming. I can't tell you exactly when, but I can tell you the most important thing you can do today is be sure that you're in him. And if you're in him, you have nothing to fear. God, I'm so thankful. I'm so thankful, God. Sitting on this front row, my mother, God, who poured her life into me and gave me Jesus. I think of all those times as a little boy that she tried and tried and tried and tried to get us to have a family devotion. And we had some success and not success, but God, I'm so thankful for mom and dad that loved Jesus and made sure that I knew who he was too. Lord, I know that there's coming a day, and I believe with all of my heart we are living in those last days. Nothing would surprise me, God. This powder keg that we see going on in Israel, God, this tiny little country, just a little over 200 200 miles tall and only about 85 miles wide. The size of New Jersey is the focus of everything that's going on in the world right now, God. And it's interesting that it always has been and it always will be. Where it all started is where it's all going to finish. And it's just a reminder to each and every one of us that God's word is wholly true, that we can bank our lives on it, and praise God that Jesus took the time to explain to these disciples what to expect. 
God, what needs to happen right now? I don't know. You do. These are your people. And there are people in this room this morning, God, who, who know you in the free pardon of sin, but they're just not committed to you, God. They're just giving the leftovers. They're just showing up that need to go deeper. There are people who've wandered away from you, God. They, they claim they have faith in you, but they're just not living like it. And maybe, God, today's the day that they reverse course and come back to you. But then, God, there are people in this room this morning that have never met you. They may be religious people. They know, may know all the songs and, and can quote the scriptures, but they've never met you. Maybe today is the day when someone says, Jesus, save my soul. Forgive me of my sin. Wash me in the blood of Christ and save my soul. Do your handiwork, Holy Spirit. Have your way. We love you. We're so thankful for this opportunity. May we not miss it. In Christ's name I pray.